Billy Joel there with scenes from an Italian restaurant. Probably the best song ever written about a restaurant and it leads into our next item. My co-host Rita Ehrlich, who's enjoyed a long and distinguished career, is our culinary and hospitality editor. She knows many a Melbourne restaurateur, although as she notes, the industry is changing. Tonight, in our long-form interview, Rita speaks with a Melbourne restaurateur who's also been in the business for a long time, 28 years to be precise. Martin Pirrick has three city restaurants. The best known is Punch Lane at 43 Little Burke Street. It's in the middle of Chinatown. And Martin Pirrick explains his philosophy about hospitality, about staff, about customers and the changes wrought by the pandemic. I'm here with Martin Pirrick from Punch Lane Restaurant. And I'm looking through the window and there's a sign outside that, on the canopy that says established 1995, which means that this restaurant, which has been going for 28 years, represents in its way a history of Melbourne restaurants. That's right. Like I think we've um, done something unique uh, in a time when Melbourne was really at a, an ebb, a low point with the theatres being shut down. We're very much in Chinatown. It was a, an area of um, sort of discovery and opportunity and it was a hunch and um, 28 years later the hunch paid off. <laughs> but, uh, before, long before 28 years was up, I, uh, I And I remember when this opened and little, it's on Little Burke Street opposite a laneway called Punch Lane and at that stage Little Burke Street was solidly Chinatown. Correct. So this was very brave. It was. I think I was drawn to the fact that the building... Uh, it was a red brick building, it was on a corner, uh, it looked uh, inviting and it had a sense that it wasn't too big, spa- spacious, that you could actually have intimacy here and that intimacy could create a corner, a place where people could gather and congregate and the laws had been changed to allow people to drink without having to eat. So it created a, a new flexibility in our landscape, which is what Melbourne has essentially become. And in that sort of Endeavour, we were able to sort of mix cheese, food, wine, gathering, casual, formal, into the one small establishment that kind of ended up sticking from, you know, from that hunch of, like, people want to have a local place that they feel familiar with. That's right, and really comfortable chairs. Exactly. <laughs> the very first thing that I purchased was the, uh, the chairs from the Southern Cross Hotel. So the, the venue was basically, uh, like, just a concrete shell... Uh, with no fixtures or fittings and uh, the Southern Cross was being um, at that stage uh, there was an auction on all the furniture equipment and there wasn't money wasn't really sort of flush at the time for me and we came I came across these uh, these red chairs that were there from when the Beatles actually stayed at the Southern Cross Hotel so there's this nostalgic um, these, are connection. His, these are historic chairs. Exactly. <laughs> so they ended up becoming the icon of the restaurant and they were the very first things that I actually delivered and placed in the venue, uh, not knowing what that kind of meant at the time. I remember Vernon Chalker, um, who sadly has passed away, but I got to know Vernon at Smith Street Bar and Bistro. He had a Thai shop, uh, a retro shop next door. He ended up uh, becoming the person that started the Gin Palace again in that same sort of era and Vernon was with me at the auction and so we were, 
there was this lovely warmth and familiarity of somebody I knew kind of in the industry and we were kind of like talking about what it might be like to buy these chairs. So um, uh, nice. Now, let me explain to listeners what this is like. It's, uh, there's a wooden floor, there's a huge blackboard on which are written a range of wines available by the glass. Um, there's usually a list of cheeses available too. There's a small menu. So it's the place that um, you can call into for a whole meal, before the show, after a show, instead of a show, um, the it's it's a warm place. It it's is. always felt warm. That's partly the timber. It's partly the spaces and the fairly high ceiling. But what you're doing is kind of so on trend, as they say. But 28 years ago, this was pretty revolutionary. It was like I didn't feel like it at the time. I just felt like it was. Right, and I think you know we all probably have moments in our life where we don't have to overprocess something. It's something just feels good and feels right, and and I think that feeling of um, I think the space for me was important because it didn't like I mentioned it earlier. It wasn't too big. Like I felt like I, I could actually get my head around the space uh, and bring that warmth to it and that personality. Uh, and then the fixtures and fittings like evolved over the time where I did a renovation maybe 10 years ago, gutted the place and put it back together again like it was, but kind of a better version yeah, of the same clean, thing. but sort of brighter, cleaner. Yeah, yeah. like from, a, from more of a bird's eye point of view rather than sort of from the, from the hip. From the hip was to start with, then as you mature in age, you yeah. kind of are you're able to, I guess... Think of things. Think of things a little yeah. clearer and, and and be more kind of pointed about what you want to do. Yep. Now the chefs over the years, mm. you began with Arnie Sleeman. That's right. Yeah. So he was a business partner at the time, and he was uh, the. It's a bit of a mouthful, but the ex stepson of Ian Hewitson. That's his right. mother was Sandra. And That's right. He came from Tolano, uh, Fleury, Champagne, Charlie. So we had very good pedigree. Yep. And he cooked really good food. He cooked lovely food. Yeah. So I think from a, from having a chef that could actually be capable in the kitchen, it was a huge um, a leg up. I think uh, in that in those initial years. That's right. And the other thing about his food was that it wasn't, look at me. Correct. There was an honesty about it. Um, Yeah, that's right. It it was food you wanted to eat. Exactly. So uh, this has always been the place for me where you come in for one course and stay for two. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Or come in for a glass of wine and And stay for another and then have something to eat because you feel welcome. Now, what have been... Over 25, eight, 28 years, you will have seen all sorts of ups and downs and challenges. Name, name three of them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, well, COVID was one of his. COVID was a huge one. I mean, that was a huge one for everyone. That yeah. was um, something that no one, ever, no one in the world saw coming. Yeah. Um, and I think it's still having its effects now. I think we're still dealing with, uh, you know, how this industry works and the loss of um, a talent pool, I guess. Um, yep. It's almost like you don't have a class of, you know, 
2020, 21, 22, you've missed that class and therefore there's a a two or three year gap gap. of talent. The other thing is that I think the there was a great opportunity lost in that time to rethink wage structures. Correct. I think... Um, and that, that's not about lowering wages, it's about tailoring wages to fit the industry. Yes, I think it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum for everybody because, like, we live in a very um, prosperous country where, you know, equality is probably paramount and in an industry that isn't user-friendly, it's weekends, it's nights... You know, it doesn't fit into the nine-to-five box. How do we recompense that and how do you make that affordable for people to go out and eat as well as um, for people to work? And I think we're still working what that still, and But there are people who are well-suited to those hours. Correct. And I think that's a really important thing to remember, that we're not all cut from the same cloth. We, but, we, can, we can have different versions of people that like doing that kind of work. And I think sometimes... The conversation is a broad brushstroke saying this industry just doesn't suit anybody whereas I think you know some people like to sleep in or don't don't do anything during the day and be night owls yeah, and that's right when they come and, alive. and really like people yeah. and interacting with people it's like the entertainment business you know yeah kind of that's like right the shows on and, yeah. and, and people will thrive in that industry yeah it's it's an interesting one and the little in the while you've been here, Little Burke Street has changed massively. It has. Because Chinatown moved east. It so did. <laughs> Officially. <laughs> yeah. Um, so China, you know, the centre of four Chinese Melbourne has moved, moved to Box Hill, moved to Springvale. Yes. Chinatown changed. City populations changed. They did. And the restaurant mix changed. Yeah, it's become, uh, I mean, it's always been a competitive business, but I think it's actually gone to the next level of, I guess, through lifestyle programs about what our interests are. I think COVID even sparked a deep interest, more of a deep interest in food and service because people missed out on it. So there's a real hankering for that. And I think the tricky thing is balancing the commerciality of our business with the authenticity and trying to find what that balance is, that push-pull. That's right. And sustainable also means financial and economic sustainability. Exactly. You have to be able to keep on doing it. You have to be competitive, and competitive means a lot of things, and uh, it doesn't necessarily get any harder, but it doesn't get any easier. It's the same kind of caper in this business where... You really have to be on your on your game all the time. You have to be forward thinking. Uh, it's not just like living in the moment. You're always kind of anticipating. That's right. And you've you've opened two other places. I have. in that time, and that's part of being forward thinking. I, I hope so, but you know, it comes with its challenges too. When you're only one person and three venues, you know, like sometimes I think, you know, do I have rocks in my head? You know, what am I, what was I thinking at the time? <laughs> But they weren't necessarily well, one's, intentional. One's next door. One's next door, so, next door so and, I, and I've had a lease on that space for 17, 18 years, which I need to have another space to run Punch Lane, so that's a necessity. Then you've got like, the economics is you've had two rents to pay, so you have to actually then like afford those as time goes on and that increases. So it was almost your hands forced to, to do something about it. Do, um, do you have a good landlord? I've got great landlords. They've 
they were really positive over COVID, but I also think I'm like an excellent tenant. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, you're a very stable <laughs> tenant. <laughs> I think if, if there's one thing I've established is, you know, that, I, that I don't, I'm not wishy-washy. I, there's a certainty that comes with me whether I like it or not. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wish I was a little bit more like living by the seat of my pants. But then I think I actually am because in restaurants you actually are living by the seat, seat of your pants. By and large. And you've got a place in Richmond. That's right. Uh, originally started off as project and we named it St Urban which appealed because it was a patron saint of wine and if you said it quickly it was suburban and it felt like it was right at the time. In COVID for me it became a restaurant that was maybe becoming too occasional and so in COVID we were doing a lot of work from that venue on the terrace serving people cocktails and takeaway and barbecuing and doing all those COVID activities that we did and uh, I decided to call it Waygood because on the front of the building is Johns and Waygood Limited, which became Otis Lifts, and Waygood was someone's surname. That's right. And, uh, they, were, was, they were engin- civil engineers, I think. They were. So it just sort of spoke to me, and I thought, like, we did a rebrand and a refresh, and, again, it's that kind of endeavour of being in this industry and, and reinventing yourself and not being scared to take a risk, which was a great project in a way because it taught me so much about probably more social media and marketing in that kind of endeavour than punchline was a lot more nose to the grindstone, turn up every day, be on the floor, yeah. you know, shake everybody's hand. As as free venues, you, you have to learn to do things differently and trust other people. And, of course, when you opened, the, the internet scarcely existed. Exactly. We had pen and paper. I, I, I distinctly remember being on the sporting field on a Saturday with the kids being in secondary school with uh, phone at hand, phone diverted, uh, a running sheet of my table plan, taking calls, writing it. I would probably write the the run sheet three or four times with changing tables to allow for all the different variations that would happen through the day. Uh, While the wind's gusting in your air, you can't hear and you're trying to be very receptive about your... Uh, your approach yeah. and, and making people feel welcome and uh, these days you know people are you know like go online and they, they book and you get a notification and you can kind of track it differently yeah I still think there's room for old-fashioned values I think there always will be good manners will never go away yeah. um, courtesy I think sometimes restaurants and I think one of the nice things about punch lane is over the course of time, we've developed that relationship with people or that feeling of the relationship where people can come to a restaurant in with that expectation that you're actually looked after and, you know, you're, you're a person and, you know, you can actually call and talk to someone and they'll actually accommodate you. Yeah, that, that's right. There was a lot of talk about people becoming very rude during COVID. Yeah. And there are still signs up warning people that certain sorts of behaviour won't be tolerated. Did you find people were were cranky when they came back? I found in the period of where we had restricted seating, like uh, we could only accommodate 20 guests at a time, um, the restaurant became a lot more intimate. There's a lot more space mm. around it. It kind of went more f- like as a feel fine dining mm. in terms of more personable and less rushed. Not that we're overly rushed, but just that hecticness Mm. left the building because there was less people in the room. I found that people were really gracious in that time because the feeling of going out, it felt like you were giving a first-class ticket, you know, like on a plane and all of a sudden, you know, someone's handing you a champagne and it's like the best champagne you've ever had and someone's asking you, you're warm enough and comfortable enough and 
But the relationship glowed both ways. Like any uh, human endeavour of engagement where you were searching and, and reconciling and making people feel good, like was, was, was reciprocated. Yeah. Um, and I think in those early days of opening again when people were able to go out more en masse, there was a real respect for the industry. They felt like people who had served people, that they were valued in a, in a way that they hadn't been before, as we do when comfort creature comforts go all of a sudden you know you go somewhere and you you know you've got a a warm heater and you go oh my god this is the best warm heater i've ever had because you know you don't want to be cold i think that warmth came through that feeling of this this relationship that we can have with one another i kind of feel like my own experience in the business businesses that i have we didn't really have a lot of pushback with people being um less respectful or anything that you might have had moments where I think emotionally people were really stretched. Yeah. And I think when you're sitting and you're socialising or there's that pressure, you're like you feel awkward, you've been inside, you're not used to being in a crowd or I think there's a lot of things that can happen to you that you're just unaware of, you know, in the, right. in the moment. And getting out of tracky decks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. one of those things. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day and the lady was uh, talking about uh, poetry and uh, she was used to being a head on a screen and she got very she was very comfortable just being the head and not having to be the body yeah that's right <laughs> not having to get dressed up yeah so when she actually started to engage with people she found it really awkward about like being the whole person that she just couldn't con- like just be this an- an- anonymity in her head just talking that's right and I think the- with people going out to dining all of a sudden I had to start you know sort of n- navigating other human beings being in close proximity like looking at your own behavior are you, you know are, are you acting accordingly according to these new protocols of what's that's, expected of us as right. humans the, this this would have been a special case because you've been here for so long correct and there are so many regulars exactly who know who know the who know the rules exactly and i think there was a, a warmth in the room and i've been lucky really fortunate to have staff that that are emotionally intelligent as well as being good at their job. Yep. And that's a really important quality for me because that emotional intelligence, that connection with people, knowing when to sort of to bow in or bow out of a situation and how to be gentle and how to be firm, I think they're all part of what makes gives a restaurant character and individuality. Rita Ehrlich in a very interesting and candid conversation with restaurateur Martin Pirrick. We will play the second part of this interview here next week in which Rita asks Martin what advice he would give to somebody starting up a restaurant. Be very brave is what I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rita.